In their parsha, in our this week's parsha, we Eden is in the of the dinim fun hagolus clay medium, where the Eden were commanded, given the mitzvah of kashering the utensils that they took as spoils from the war with Midian. So they were told the Torah tells us the halachas of how to kasher kalim. Frek the Ramban. So the Ramban asks the question: Why is it that we were told the halachas of how to kasher kalim that we got from a goy? Why we were told this by the war that they conducted with Midian and not earlier on? Why earlier on? By they already had wars with the uh, countries of Sichan Ba'ig. From them also the Yidin took spoils in the war. Which certainly without question they also had uh, food utensils and those and that spoils too. So he asks why weren't they told this earlier when they already had a war with Sichan Ba'ig? They already took spoils then. Why weren't they told the halachas of Kashri and Mikhailim at that time? And the Ramban farempherts, the Ramban answers, as Eretzichim ve'oig menachlos Yisrael, he that the wars that they conducted with Sichim ve'oig, that was in order to conquer the land of Eretz Yisrael. Their lands were parts, it were areas that the Yidin took over and made them into Eretz Yisrael. V'hutalem kol shlolem afilo surim, and they were permitted, there's this Pasuk in the Torah that tells us, that the Yidin are allowed to take, when they're taking spoils from the Goyim as they are conquering Eretz Yisrael, they're allowed to take even the things which are prohibited and use them. Our sages tell us in the Gemara, that even pork bellies, it's the only type of pork that I know, so we'll go with that, they were permitted to eat even that, because it says in the Torah, and you will have houses filled with all kinds of good things so we learn from there all kinds of good things even the things that were pro- prohibited for Yidin to eat normally like Chazer but over there they were permitted to take that and use even that when they were conquering it so that was permitted too so the Gemara is Avon Midian so that was by Eretz Sichem but when they were waging war with Midian, it wasn't that they were going to take over the country of Midian and make it into Eretz Yisrael. Not at all. They didn't take over the country. They only waged a war against them to take revenge for what they did. They ensnared the Yidin into the sins of uh, the women and Baal and so on. That was the reason for the war. So therefore, they weren't taking over those countries and that country, and therefore, it's not included in the pasuk that says kol tuf. And therefore, and therefore, everything that the midyanim had was prohibited to them, and therefore, the kalim also were prohibited. Whereas by sichem va'ig, not only were the kalim permitted, they were even allowed to eat the chazer itself, and therefore, there was no need to tell them at that time about giulei nachrim about kashering the kalim. So that's how the Ramban answers it. So the Mefarshim asks on this answer, 
in the parsha sein in Eden angesagt geworden, nicht nur auf Dinge von Geule Kelim schon nachher, because in this parsha it doesn't only tell us the laws of how to kasher Kelim that you take over from a guy, nor euch have Tvilas Kelim schon nachher, but also the laws that you have to Tevil a Keli that you take from a guy. The Rashi brings this dar up as Rashi brings it. Rashi says it, he, he details that difference. Um, wie der Ramban allein ist das Meidach, ist der Meidach in dem. In fact, der Ramban himself also dwells on this the difference between teufeling and, and, and kashering. So he, he certainly is aware of it and he talks about it. Hein favos, einen Zeynishnitztabe geworden auf Tvilis Kalim Frier. So then the question comes back. Why weren't they told about the teufeling of the Kalim back in the war of Sichem Ba'aik? By Muhammad Sichem Ba'aik. And over here you can give the answer that the Rambam said, the Ramban said, like he did, answered about the halachas of kasher in Kalim, as by that by the even the pork bellies themselves were permitted to them. But you can't answer that here. Because the reason that we toivel kalim that belong to a guy is not because they're absorbed by isur, because even brand new kalim that the guy never used also have to be toiveled if they belong to the guy. Nor we state in Yerushalmi, but rather, what's the reason that we toivel kalim as the Yerushalmi says? Because they leave the impurity of the Jewish, non-Jewish ownership, and they come into the holiness of Jewish ownership. So therefore, you have to toivel them in order to bring them from that state of impurity to the state of purity. So that applies by sichem v'ayg as well, even though the, the stuff that they ate in the kalim would have been permitted, but just the fact that they own the kalim is already a state of impurity and they would have had to toivel it. So the question comes back, why weren't they told the laws of toiveling kalim by the war with sichem v'ayg? And even though it's true that the Ramban writes right before discussing this, he writes, However, after discussing back and forth about the toiveling and about the, the psukim that teach about toiveling, the psukim that teach about kashering, he explains in the psukim of, uh, over here in the parsha. So he says, however, I still... As he says it, my heart still says or wonders, perhaps this toiveling of Kalim is really only a rabbinic mitzvah. In other words, that the psukim here are not as clear cut to be able to state that this is a Torah law that you have to toivel Kalim. And that these psukim, they sort of allude to it, so therefore perhaps it's only rabbinic, but they. they based it on these psukim which seem to lean that way so in other words that uh, it's only rabbinic about the whole toiveling thing is of an but still it, uh, we have to understand because number one in the end he concludes that this still needs further thought and he's inconclusive about this so he hasn't decided yet that it's only rabbinic which means that perhaps it's still Deiraisa. Number two, Afilo Eibder Mikra is not an Asmachta, even if you're going to say that the Psukim here, which seem to talk about Tevli, are really not talking about it directly, but it's only a support for the rabbinic law of Tevli. 
Why is it that the Torah gives these supportive words to what the Chachamim will, will in the future establish? Of course, the Torah gives those supportive psukim. Why did the Torah choose to give those supportive psukim in regards by the war with Midian and not by the Muhammad Sikhavaik and not earlier by the Muhammad Sikhavaik? The, the nature of the question remains the same, even if you're going to say that it's not a concrete Issa de Raisa, it's only a support for the Issa de Rabbanon. Why did the Torah put that uh, support for the Issa de Rabbanon by Muhammad Midian and not back by Muhammad Sikhavaik? Number three, Ubacholif, and whatever the case may be, Favas is the Ramban, Gornish Meir them. Why doesn't the Ramban address this at all about the issue why the Tvila was not uh, introduced earlier on by Muhammad Sikhanvaik? Base. Lachaira Voltmikentanferin. It would seem that we could be able to answer it like this. Says Yedua, it's well known as Nisht Allah Mitzvah and Gigemgivorn Glaich by Matan Taira. Not all the six hundred and thirty mitzvahs were given at the time of Matan Taira. There are certain mitzvahs which were given later in time. Even in the 40th year, 40 years after Matan new halachas were introduced. Alderach, for instance, Parsha Nachlas, the laws of inheritance, how Jewish inheritance works. Which was, came up only because the daughters of Tzlavchad brought up the issue to Moshe Rabbeinu. So he asked Hashem what to do, and Hashem gave him the laws of, uh, of inheritance. And this happened all the way at the end, just before they went into Eretz Yisrael. So that's an example. And therefore, there really is no reason to ask this question. Why didn't the Ebeshter decide to give the mitzvah of Tevil and Kalim earlier? Like in our case, we're asking by Muhammad Sikhan Vaig. Because the answer could simply be, Hashem decided that this is the right time to tell it. Why? Why did he uh, tell different mitzvahs at different times in over the 40 years? We don't know why certain mitzvahs were given earlier, certain mitzvahs later. It's not a question. It's when Hashem decided to do it. Similar to what the Gemara says. There is a discussion about bris about certain laws, whether they apply. And the question that is asked, when Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov, all those generations, when they did mitzvah mila, they didn't have that condition which the Gemara is talking about over there. And yet they did mitzvah mila. So the Gemara answers... Yeah, but now the Torah was given, and now there's a new law. Now it's different. In other words, when the Torah says it's different, that's when it changes. That's when it becomes the law. So therefore, there's no reason to ask the question, why wasn't it given earlier? So then, if so, why does the Ramban ask the whole question? Why does he teach about kashering the Kalim now by Midian and not by Sichem Ve'oig? If there's no reason to ask why later and not earlier, why is the Ramban asking it? So, so that's, that's very different. Why? Is it the Faraval says, Because we have to say, we're forced to say, as the Dimfun Isabalua, that this halacha, that if there is a keli, a utensil, a dish, or whatever, 
that is absorbed by non-kosher food, as dozvas is nivlegevarim from adaber iso, that a keli that was absorbed by something uh, prohibited to eat, is the in the keli is also an asa the keli, so that that which was absorbed is considered to be in the keli, and therefore you cannot use the keli. That was ishingiven from fria. This idea already existed before the whole discussion about kasher and kalim. Far midyon. That already existed before the war with Midian. How do we know that? A state in Afridiga Parsha Tzav. It says already earlier in Parsha Tzav, the Kli Cheres Ashetavushul Boy, that it's talking about the Kalim of the Beis Hamikdash, that if they will cook a carbon in a, an earthenware utensil, Yeshaver has to be broken because it, gets, it absorbs from the carbon, and a Kli Cheres earthenware can never be kasher, so you have to break it. And if it was cooked in a copper pot, umarak, then overshoot then it should be kashered, and uh, you know it has to be kashered and then uh, and and brought in the mikveh, whatever. It has to be kashered. So when it talks about that, Taichdot Rashi, Rashi explains Yishaber. The reason you have to break one that is earthenware, lefisha bliish and evlazve nasas noisar, because the when you cook it parts of the carbon, the taste of the carbon is absorbed by the keli itself and that absorbed part that's in the keli becomes leftovers, it's past the due date, we know that a carbon that's past the due date is prohibited to eat so therefore the keli becomes asserted to cook anything in it and you have to kasher it in order to, to, to release that which, absor- which is absorbed, basically the laws of kasheras as we know them so therefore we see from here that the whole concept of a keli absorbing something that is non-kosher has to be kashered, has to be released was already, existed already before the Mulchemes Midian, long before if that's the case that they already knew this idea, this halacha was already explained to them therefore the Ramban asks the question why is it over here that he gives them the details of how to kasher kalim if the idea of kashering kalim already existed so it's not, you can't answer the, question, the answer that we said before toivling kalim only came up at some point but kashering kalim was already understood that there's a problem that exists even earlier they knew that it only came up when they came into contact with Goyim, they took non-kosher kalim, before then they didn't really have the concept of kosher kalim on a regular basis, therefore they, didn't, they weren't taught the laws but once they came to Melchemes Midian Ba'aig, now they were confronted with it on a regular basis so they had to know how to deal with it, so why weren't they told then? That's what the Ramban asks why were they told this only by Midian and not earlier in time when they already also took uh, spoils from the Goyim and they had to kasher them which was by the war of Sichem so there's a clear distinction between Toivalin Kalim which is a new concept, a new halacha which was revealed whenever it was revealed but the idea of, of kashering kalim, which already existed theoretically earlier, 
So why was it told only the second time that they took spoils and not the first time? So that explains the Ramban's uh, answer and why he doesn't say it by kashering, by by tevelin keli. This is but this is there's, it's not enough of an answer. Since the Ramban, in his discussion on this pasuk, he addresses both issues, kasher in kelim and toivl in kelim, and he at length he discusses it at length. So he should have at least pointed out the difference between kashering and tavling in regards to his own question. Why it doesn't, uh, his question doesn't apply to tavling, Caleb. Thus is the difference that exists between them. Which would explain to us why he only asks his question in regards to kashering and not in regards to tevling, but why doesn't he point it out, explain the difference? Now, that is what you say to Mizu, and similar, and even more so, is Nishmuva, and we have to understand, in them was under Mepharshim Faremferen, there are a number of Mepharshim which give answers on this question. They attempt to answer why the Yidn were not told about Tefilus Kelim by the war of Sichem Vaig, our question. In addition to the difficulties that there are in every one of those answers. And the Rebbe doesn't get into explaining what their answers are and what the difficulties are. It, but because in general there's a question on the whole thrust of the matter. Is the Shaila Klolis? You have the general question. Why doesn't the Ramban explain these answers? They might be answers. The Rebbe thinks that they're difficult answers. But even if they are answers, why doesn't the Rambam point to one of them or give a general uh, question and answer why he's not asking the same question about toiveling the Galen? Gimel. So we'll understand this by first um, answering, asking and answering two questions in regards to toiveling Galen. Number one. As is Yudua was the Neidah Beyuda and the Chassam Sefer Shreiben, it's known what the Neidah Beyuda and the Chassam Sefer write in, in regards to the selling of uh, of Kalim, the chametz uh, for Pesach. As when if I kaved them chametz some goy for Pesach, that when you sell your chametz to the goy for Pesach, so when if I kaved the Kalim chametzim, you shouldn't sell the chametz to the Kalim. While them old that men say darfen toivel zayim by mitzri kaved zayim from them goy noch Pesach. Because if you sell it to the guy, when you buy it back after Pesach, you're going to have to table all your kalim again. Because as we know, that if a guy owns kalim, you have to table it. So they say, don't sell the kalim. Aber, however, in Nusach Shtar Mechiruf and Alten Reb, but the way the Alten Rebbe writes his contract that should uh, accompany the sale of Chametz to the guy, he writes like this. So also chametz the kekelim which have actual chametz adhering to them does haste. In other words, not the absorbed chametz, but rather there is still leftover pieces of chametz attached. You know, you didn't wash the dishes well, and there is still actual chametz. The Cheerios are stuck to the bottom of the plate. So the Alter Rebbe is including chametz the gekelim that they should be sold to the guy as well. 
So the Alter Rebbe is saying that you are sale, selling your kalim to the Goy. Still, we don't find anywhere that the Alter Rebbe should say, as noch Pesach, that when Teufel's any kalim, that after Pesach, when you buy them back, you have to Teufel them. In fact, you look around, look at what everybody does, all the Rabbanim included do. As when is nish Teufel, nobody Teufels the kalim when they buy back the Chometz. So therefore, even though, despite the fact that the Neidib Yudah and the Chsam Seifer write it, but the Alter Rebbe doesn't write that. And in fact, he seems to be saying that you, sh- you don't, there's no need. In Shara Kail for Emphater, in Shara Kail he answers as we, about this question, as we bowed, as the Alter Rebbe zokt Kailim Echumotzim, Sheyesh Aleim Chometz Be'ed. Since the Alter Rebbe says that, which Kailim is he talking about? The ones that have actual Chometz adhering to them. And the din is, since the halacha is, as kol ha-kelem shiram, that anyone, if you don't want to kasher your kelem for Pesach, you're going to leave them chametz, you're not going to kasher them. So he says, tzarech l'shafshef on aladicham. You have to rinse them and you have to wash them. Shloyei chametz nikabem, that there shouldn't be any actual chametz attached to them. So therefore, that's what the Alter Rebbe says. But may lekum tachoyz. Therefore, it comes out says the Shara Kailu as the clay so the lenim kruklal that the kalim which you eat you you use in your eating can't be sold at all because if you want to sell them then you have to remove the chametz. So therefore, obviously, you're not selling those because you must have cleaned them. As the Alter Rebbe says, you have to clean them. The Baltazanadeim from Bir Chametz Ben, since you have cleaned all the actual Chametz off them, so you're not selling those Kalim of eating, the eating utensils. Unarkli, so does Anachayavamitvila, and since only Kalim which you use for eating, in the preparation of food or the eating of food, do you have to toivel? Uh, only they are Chayavitvila, as we learn from the Psukim. So therefore, those kalim can't be the Alter Rebbe is not talking about selling them because they must have been cleaned he says you have to clean them and the ones that are cleaned you don't have to sell so therefore you're not selling the kalim of the Suda and therefore there's no need there's uh, the whole thing doesn't come up he's talking only about kalim which have a chametz attached to them the clay Suda don't, uh, you must have cleaned and therefore you're not selling them so therefore there's no need to table anything else that you may have sold However, what you may have uh, thought of, this answer is a very difficult answer. It's difficult to understand what he's saying. When the Alter Rebbe says that any, any keli that you want to sell, you have to rinse it and wash it off the, the actual chametz, that isn't only, it doesn't pertain only to uh, utensils that you use for your meal. It applies to any a storage bin for flour. If you have actual chametz attached to it, you have to clean it before you sell it, or you have to clean it if you don't want to kasher it. Sorry. We bald as the kelim v'sarach l'shav shvam zayin nishnichlo l'shutasuv v'sharakelin machira. So since the way the the sharakel sees it, any keli that you already cleaned that you have to clean, is not included in the sale, because you don't need to sell it. You cleaned it, so there's no need to sell it anymore. So, and that includes also any keli, which is not for, used for, for actual eating, or preparing food. So then the question is, So what is the Alter Rebbe talking about when he says... 
that included in this sale is any keli that has chametz that has chametz if the Shara Kel says that you shouldn't be selling any keli that has chametz on it because you must have cleaned it so then which, what is the Alter Rebbe talking about? which keli is it that has actual chametz attached to it that you're selling? therefore we have to say as in Shtar Mechire man, that the, the reason the Alter Rebbe puts it into the Shtar Mechire even though he's already told you that you should clean any keli that doesn't that has chametz attached to it he did tell you that, but he still includes it in the in the uh, shtar mechira on the off chance. If for some reason you didn't get to clean the keli and there is still chametz attached to it, you're supposed to clean it, yes. But if you didn't, so you can include it in the mechira as well. is the So then the question comes back. The Shara Kail's answer doesn't really work because if it's a keli that's not used for the meal, you have to clean that anyway. You have to remove any chametz from it anyway. If it's a keli that is used in the meal and it has chametz attached to it, you could still include it in the mechira. That's what Al Tareb is talking about. So then, what's the difference between a keli that is used for the meal and a keli that's not used for the meal in regards to why you have to table it or not? It's irrelevant to this discussion. Any keli can be sold with the chametz, and therefore, if it's a kli suda, you would have to table it. So the question comes back: Why don't we table it? Muzman zogn. Therefore, we have to say as chach kli suda sheish lehem chametz be'end that even though it's a, a meal, it's a utensil that you use in the meal, but it has chametz attached to it. Veren nichlal in the mechirat zum goy, they are also included in the sale to the goy. From deswegen, even so, daf zay lushitas. They still, according to the Alter Rebbe, they don't seem to be need to be tabled, so even though they're kli suda. So the question comes back: Why don't you have to table the kelim when you get them back for the guy? The second question in regards to tefillah, tefillah's kelim. Eina from the timeim, or from minik from esem achalachalu biyim alav tachagas shvuos is one of the reasons why we eat milchiks on the first day of shvuos. The reason, one of the reasons is, that this is to commemorate the milchiks that the Yidin had to eat on the first day, the day of Matan Teireh. Since, like most mitzvahs, the Yidin were given the mitzvah of shechting animals in order to be able to eat the meat, they were given at Matan Teireh. So therefore, any meat that they had left over from yesterday, before they had the laws of shechita, that meat became prohibited to them. They couldn't eat it anymore. It wasn't shechted. The kalim that they cooked it in also became prohibited. So everything became, all fleshig stuff became prohibited. And even if they would have shechted it, but since they weren't, there was no concept of shechita before the mitzvah of shechita, so therefore what they did wasn't considered shechita, and therefore it doesn't rise to the level of have, being kosher. Because you did it yesterday before there was any concept of shechita, even though you did it the right way. So therefore they were not permitted to eat any kind of fleshic food. 
Sie haben euch nicht gekannt bei äh, beim Biyomaten Teil der Schächten Behemis und Kasher und Zeyre Kalim. So you may ask, let's Schächt today? We'll Schächt new Behemis today after Maten Teil and we'll have a barbecue. The answer is that they couldn't Schächt anything on that day and they couldn't Kasher any Kalim on that day either. Weil the Kulam und B'Shabbos nicht the Teil, because everybody agrees that the Teil, Maten Teil happened on Shabbos. So on that day, of course, they couldn't Schächt anything. It's prohibited to Schächt on Shabbos. Prohibited to kasha kalim on Shabbos. Haben sie gemust essen, namachalacholah, therefore they could only eat milchiks. So that, see, that's what the answer everybody gives, but it needs further study. L'chayre, kemen evdem fregen, because you could ask the question. V'yazoi, haben sie gekent essen, machalach, v'tavshi lecholah. How were they able to eat milchik food? According to this, how could they eat milchik food? The doyche god leimer, as I am guessing, norchem of a cholav, and it's difficult to say that they ate only raw milk. They drank milk. They ate uh, cream. Aber nishkent avshilim, but they couldn't eat any cooked milchiks because why couldn't they eat any cooked milchiks? Because all the kalim were treif. So how could they cook it? How could they have cooked it? They couldn't have. They can't cook it today because it's Shabbos. But anything that they would have cooked yesterday was cooked in a fleishiger pot. Because they didn't have a difference between fleshig and milchig. So therefore, the milchig was also non-kosher. How could they eat that? And it's difficult to say that it's only, they ate only raw milchigs. But Aydin, another thing, in the And if that was the case, if you want to say that, yes, they ate only raw milk and raw cream. So then, why don't we do the same today? We eat blintzes and cheesecake. Why don't we eat raw milk and raw cream? Like they did then? To commemorate what they really did. And in any case, in addition to that, they would have had to kasher all their plates, even to eat uh, raw, whatever, but you still have to kasher the plates. Or the, the pots. And because they weren't careful, they, of course, they weren't separating milk and meat at that time, they were cooking the same pot. Milchiks and fleishiks, other taruvas were a mixture of milchiks and fleishiks, and therefore all the pots were were non-kosher. So how could they eat any cooked milk? They couldn't have eaten any cooked milchik either. So how does that answer? How why are we eating milchik? They couldn't eat the cooked milchik either. When it's kash, it's nish. It's not a question. While as leksuch tzadon. Really, this is not a question because it makes sense to say. It's reasonable to say. Because already when they left Mitzrayim. They already knew that the Torah was coming in, in 50 days, 49 days, they're going to get the Torah. And they, they were apprised of this. And they were, had been learning Torah so they knew what was going to be in the Torah. So therefore they already began to do mitzvahs. They already began to prepare themselves for doing the mitzvahs after Mount So they were already adopted those mitzvahs, including the separation of milk and meat. Therefore they already had separate dishes for milk and meat, and which they must have kashed because they knew what was coming. Which were not tainted by having been used for fleshik, or from a mixture of milk and meat, even worse. 
and about batish ants and noisev of them. In addition to this, as I need dog evisa kalim velchazani roit salibzeir tzur and from a cholacholim. There are certain types of dishes because of the way they're made that only lend themselves for milchik. So they could have used those. So therefore we have an answer, perhaps because they already had milchig dishes because they knew it was coming, but the meat dishes, since everything that they prepared in meat until the day of Matan Torah was by default non-kosher, because the shechita was non-kosher, so therefore they couldn't use fleshiks or meat, they could only use milchigs and milk, or, or even cooked, dish, uh, cooked uh, milchig foods. As is Abba Nishmubim, but it still leaves the question. While we just answered why they didn't have to kasha the kalim after Matan because they didn't have anything, any remainder of fleshics in them because they had taken care of that earlier, weeks earlier. But since by Matan Torah the Yidin became a sanctified, a holy nation, as the way the Yerushalmi puts it, so then they had to toivel all of their kalim because before Matan Torah they were like goyim, so to speak, and now they became holy Yidin. From Freer, when they had to toivel their kalim from the way they were because they owned them before Matan Torah, so then now they have to table them. Is had the kushul the duchta, so the question comes question comes back. How were they able to use the milchig dishes? They weren't tabled. So we have two questions. How come we don't have to table our, our dishes when we buy them back from the Goya after Pesach? And how could the Yidden eat milchigs in their milchig dishes if they didn't table them? As we talked, as it was discussed many times, we can also learn from Rashi on Torah, even though it's Pshutosh Mikra, but we can also learn extraordinary things from the Rashis. Also teaching us issues of Halacha itself. And even though, as we said, Rashi is coming to explain only the simple reading of the Pasuk, uh, which not always halacha, not necessarily halacha. Or was the fun is moving from this? We understand as mekenish paskin and halacha and yane from the yane halacha was menem tores from pirush rashel derech abshat. And therefore, we understand that we can't paskin a halacha from reading a Rashi and getting to see a certain ap- approach to a matter of halacha. But that doesn't mean that you can paskin that way because he's talking in pshudus mikra, which doesn't always. Uh, Pshudosh Mikra doesn't always follow Halacha doesn't always follow the Pshudosh Mikra because we have to understand what's behind this simple meaning of the words from Dezvegen still, even though you can't pass him from it there are areas in Rashi Pshudosh Mikra in Rashi Alatayra where he quotes things from, not his own but B'Shem Rabbeseinu Darshu from the sages of the Gemara and the Mishnah and so on because the fun is moving from this we understand as that even though it's without question the reason that Rashi brings it in Chumash is because it's the, this teaching from the sages in Gemara is there to explain Shudosh Mikra otherwise he wouldn't be quoting it 
on the river bring to Rasha, Rabbi Perusha, that's why he's quoting it here. But still, since it comes from the Gemara, <coughs> so certainly when he quotes from the Gemara, of course it works according to the way the Gemara is studied and taught. In the Mlimid al Halacha, and Gemara is primarily focused on Halacha. So therefore, even those things which Rashi quotes, certainly from Rabbeinu Seinu Darshu, also are supported by Halacha as well. So therefore we can learn certain things from the way Rashi treats a certain subject, how it affects halacha too. And the same holds true for our case. In the beer, in, in, is the beer, to explain those three, these questions that we have posed, we can understand them from the way that Rashi is taught here in this parsha. Then Rashi brings the Rabdim Inu from Tfilis Kalim, of the Verter Achbemei Nida Yishata. When Rashi introduces the idea that this Posik is talking about Toivalin Kalim, he says it on the words in the, the Posik Achbemei Nida Yishata that it should be in the waters, it should be, Yishata means uh, cleansed in, in water. <coughs> So what does Rashi say on this pasuk? He says, "Lefib shutei," the simple meaning of chitui. When he says yishata, cleansed in that using that word, That means that since they came into contact by the goyim, they, or in the war, they would have come into contact with tumas uh, mace, impurity of a, a, connected to a dead body. So you have to take it to the mikveh. You have to table it in order to cleanse it from tumas mace. Or the, through the main uh, nida, which means the sprinkling of the red heifer. However, you have to bring it to a state of purity, ritual purity, tara. Amalei and he said, so Moshe Rabbein Amalei and Moshe Rabbein said to them, Tzrichim hakelim giul The kelim, these dishes that you have taken as spoils, they have to first of all be kashered in order to taram to bring to purify them. Mina Isur, from the prohibited uh, absorption that they had, the Chitui, and then they need what's the cleansing that is called Chitui, Letarim and Atuma, to cleanse them from Tuma. The Rabbi Seinu Darshu and our, and our sages taught us, Mikan Sha'aflach Shiram in the Israton Hitin Tvila. From here we see, so here you see what the Rebbe is alluding to, the Rabbi Seinu Darshu, in other words, that this is from the Gemara, that from here we learn that in order to cleanse the hichshira lachshira mina isur to make them kosher from their prohibited state hitin tefila you also have to toivel them. So we see different expressions of what does Rashi uses different expressions of purifying, bringing them to a state of of kosher. One is lataram, one is lachshiram. So which we have to explain is moving from Pirish Rashi so we understand from this Rashi as Lishitosai that in the way Rashi sees it is the Inu from Tfilos Kenim Fabunim Mit Isur that the tiveling of the Kalim was in order to make it kosher from Isur he clearly states that Lachshirim and Isur is of a so we have to understand what does that mean tiveling Kalim makes it kosher from Isur the din is doch, the Allah is as euch kelim chadoshim zayne machoye betfila. 
that even new kalim have to be tabled. It's not only used kalim that have to be tabled. Even though new kalim don't have haven't absorbed anything non kosher. When the Gemara in is Masver, as the Gemara explains it, that if they were old, even if they were old kalim, but you kosher them, they're like new. And even so, they need to be tabled. So we see that tabling doesn't really make something kosher from Isser. It doesn't need to be tabled. Even if it, it doesn't need to be kosher, it needs to be tabled. Nochmer even more. Rashi alein taich diverter von siim apostok. Rashi himself explains the words at the end of this pasuk. V'cholos shel yabe be'ej taviru b'mayim that whatever it does not is cannot be brought into fire, which would mean to kosher should be brought into water. So Rashi explains what does that mean? What do these words mean? anything that is not used through fire and therefore they didn't absorb the prohibited substance because a keli absorbs prohibited substance only if it's heated, only through heat but if it's not used through fire then it doesn't absorb prohibited substance that's where the Torah says bring it into water what does that mean? That you only have to table. So the table, Rashi himself says that tabling is only when it doesn't have Isser absorbed. So if the Kalim did not absorb anything prohibited, he passed What does Rashi mean when he says you have to table them in order to make them kosher from their prohibited state? They're not they're not non-kosher, they haven't absorbed anything that is non-kosher or the tefillah doesn't help to make them kosher you have to kosher it to make it kosher hey so we'll understand this by first seeing, looking at the words in Rashi when he talks about koshering the kalim, he talks about letaharam, to purify them from their prohibited state when azoy e chitui lefipshutei is letarim and atuma, and the word chitui, which means the simple meaning of it is to cleanse them, to bring them to a state of tara of purity from their state of tuma. Mashenkim by tefillah, but when it comes to tefillah, zokta demloshin lach shirim in isur. Here he uses changes the word from. Taharam to bring to purify them, to cleanse them he changes the word to make them kosher from their prohibited state so why does he change the wording so we can answer by changing the word over here in one statement, in one sentence he changes from using the word letaram but when he talks about kashering and he now used changes to the word lachshiram when he talks about tavling. So Rashi is a, it's it's obvious that he's making a change because it's in the same sentence. He's Rashi and he does it because he wants to explain the difference between kashering and tavling. The Geda Fontare is Shaykh Nor by Azakvas Hot in Zich Tuma. When could you say that you bring you cleanse it you can say that only by something which is impure, so it needs to be cleansed. Other iser, or if it has something prohibited, so it needs to be cleansed from that iser. When the ribe vet 
And therefore, when we talk about kashering, which is meant to extract the prohibited substance from the body of the keli, so that's why Rashi uses the lotion, the expression, to cleanse them from the impurity that is within them. What lachshiram? What does the word lachshiram mean? Lachshiram could also mean to prepare. Muchshar. It is prepared. It is in a state of readiness. It stands ready. Like when you're uh, when there's certain things which you have to do in order to prepare the situation so that you can perform the mitzvah. Doing those things is not the actual mitzvah, but you have to do them in order to be able to, to perform the mitzvah when it comes time. So that's called to be in a state of readiness. So the word hachshira means in a state of readiness. The keli vert that this keli now becomes ready and and usable by a yid. A yid can now use this keli. It stands ready. In other words, when Rashi says that it doesn't mean you need to extract something which is prohibited, some substance which is prohibited in the keli. That's what he means by lachshiram. He means that it should be in a state of readiness from prohibited from a prohibited state. Because to extract the prohibited substance, that was already accomplished through kashering. Or as we said before, this is a new keli, never had a iser to begin with. So what is lachshiram? But rather that toiveling the keli makes it a, in a state of readiness that a yid can now use it. Thus is mushlo fun iser. A yid, who is a person that has to be in a state where it's out of the question that he would use an iser. This keli cannot have be in a state where it's also usable for iser. It has to be in a state where there is no possibility, no thought, no potential that it should be used for something that is prohibited. Meaning, then the keli is in Rishos for Nachri, when a keli belongs to a Goyafilo, even though he may not have actually used it for anything prohibited. He never cooked in it. It's a brand new keli. There is still the possibility this this pot can be used for anything. And therefore, when the keli when this keli now transfers to the possession of a yid, so this keli now has to be in a state where there is no thought, no possibility that it should be used for a non-kosher uh, product. So you have to table the keli, and the purpose is, it takes it away from the status of, there is a possibility to use it for whatever you want, into a status where you can only use it for something that is permitted. That's what Rashi means, we have to make it impossible for any other purpose other than a kosher product. 
and to bring an example of where we find that this in itself could be a problem to find to show an example an analogy even within this same parsha where Hashem commanded in regards to what to do with the women of Midian that they had taken as captives any woman that was that knew a man should be killed that doesn't mean that only a woman that actually was with a man has to be killed nor what it really means as Rashi tells us even a woman that is at the age where she could have been with a man even though she actually hadn't been just being in the position where it was a possibility already meant that they had to be killed any woman of age in other words so we see that there is a problem with something being possible to have been uh, an Aveda being done with it that is already a problem and in the case of the women of Minyan they have to be actually killed so in the case of a Kaili you have to table it to take it out of that possibility to bring it into the state of purity purity means the possibility of only purity as it should be by a Yid and that's why even new Kalim that belong to a guy or Kalim that were used with cold only also have to be tabled even though they did not absorb any prohibited substance because the fact that they belong to a goy they are now they were then in a potential state where they could be used for Isur and that's not good enough for now so based on this understanding of what the purpose of Tefillah is this can answer the three questions that we posed at the beginning number one why the Ramban asks only his, his question only about the kashering why it was uh, taught by Midian and not by uh, and not by Mulchemes, uh, and he doesn't ask the question about Tefillah number two the question in the chametz, why don't we? Ha- the second question was, why don't we have to table the kalim that we sold with the chametz? And number three, how would he be able to use on sh- on, sh- on the original shvuas after matan teira? How were they able to use milchige dishes which they hadn't tabled? So to answer question number one, the Ramban stelt sich doch efem pirush Rashi. The Ramban there, his whole explanation is based on Rashi. It is my Tikloshan Rashi, he quotes from Rashi. He quotes also the words, whatever cannot be passed through fire. And he discusses it back and forth. Does it mean something that can't be captured and so on? When Rashi zokt as tefillah is and that Rashi says that the tefillah is in order to prepare them from, to, to cleanse them or purify them or prepare them from Isur. So therefore, since he already said that, therefore he doesn't have to ask a separate question about tefillah. Because the same answer that he gave in regards to kashering, 
as by Melchemes Sichem Ve'oig Afilu Kadol Dechazida Ishtarilu as he said that since by Sichem Ve'oig they were even permitted to eat pork bellies that they took from in the, in the spoils of war is Oich Glatik Eftfilu therefore Giltik Eftfilu that answer also answers the issue of Tfila. Was there a need for them to table the kalim that they took from Sichem Ve'oig? The answer is no. Vipal by Melchana Sichem Ve'oig is in Gansen is given together from Isur. Since the whole concept of Isur doesn't apply to the stuff that they took from Sichem Ve'oig, they were allowed to eat actual Chazer. Because even the pork bellies were permitted to them. Therefore, how could you say that they're allowed to eat the actual Isur, but they can't use a dish which is in a state where you might use it for Isur? They could eat the Isur. So, is there an issue with toiling the Kaili? The whole purpose of tefillah, of tefillah, the kalim, is only to put them in a state of readiness away from Isur. But they were permitted to eat the Isur. Therefore, the same answer that the Ramban gave on why it wasn't, men- it, it wasn't mentioned back by Sikhavayik applies to tefillah also. Now that we understand what the function of tefillah is. To answer the second question, Mechir is Chomets, about the selling of the Chomets. Chach, Mechir HaKaif, Takadam Chomets, and Kainel Chamutzim. Tsungoi, even though indeed we do sell the Chomets and the Kalim, uh, which have Chomets on them, to the Goy. And we even, according to the handing over of the key, so he even has access to the Kalim that we're selling him. The whole sale is done in such a way that we know that it's all coming back to the Yid right after Pesach. And therefore it's a very, very unusual, it's extremely unusual, as the Goizol Apoyal Nutzen of the Vakayv the Chomets on the Kalim. So it's very unusual that the Goizol should actually make use of the Chomets that you sold him or of the Kalim that you gave him, sold him. And this is so certain that it's so unusual that it should actually happen that the guy should use it. That there are certain achreinim that say that because of this, as the ganze inyum from mechiras chametz is kainarama, that the whole selling of chametz is really like a loophole, and it doesn't even seem like a real sale because the guy will never look at it, he never goes close to it. Everybody knows that he's not going to touch it, and it's all coming back. So they see that as a weakness in the whole sale. But they say that in regards to the owning of chametz, it's, it's enough. That's enough. The Alter Rebbe says that no, it has to be a real sale. The Alter Rebbe designs and structures his sale that it should be with an Arv Kablan, and that's why we are careful to sell the chametz only with somebody who does it according to the Alter Rebbe. But in any case, we see that the Goy has no access, real access to the chametz. Uh, he, he could if he wanted to but in fact he doesn't and since the whole thing is designed in such a way that the guy really doesn't have the possibility the, the actual possibility to use your keili that's why 
they don't rise to the idea that the goy could use them for non-kosher and therefore you have to table it uh, to, per, to take it out of that possibility of non-kosher on in foul then the goy vet yenitz in the kalim so you might ask well what happens if he does actually use it so the answer to that is simple if that should happen not only will you have to table it then you're going to have the problem you have to kosher it in addition to table it but yes then you're going to have to table it but as long as he doesn't actually use it the possibility isn't a real possibility even though theoretically it is and that's why it's a kosher sale that's why there's no need to table it and answer to the third question, Machole Cholov is why in regards to the eating of Milchiks and Shvuas, the Gered Zainin Eden Farmat and Taita given Abgit and Basu Machalov. As we mentioned before, since the Eden were preparing for Mat and they were already in a state of training to do the mitzvahs and they were already being careful to separate milk from meat. And therefore not only were their dishes not actually non kosher, in other words there was no meat absorbed by them nor nochma but even more of them. they were already in a state where they would never consider the idea of putting meat onto their milchiga plate even though they weren't yet in a state of uh, complete Jewish state and so on which happened in Matan Torah but they, there was no possibility that they would entertain the idea of putting fleshiks on their milchiga plate and therefore they didn't have to table those kalim. They didn't have to be machshed them from Isur. They didn't consider doing an Isur with them. Since by the kalim, these kalim did not need and therefore they were able to eat with their milchig dishes and therefore there was no question of eating even cooked milchigs on Shavuos on that day. And therefore we take eat cooked milchiks.